You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Kirk McKenzie. The Bible reading it comes from Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 to 20. Formerly, when you did not know God, you are slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, Become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that, If you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? These people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us, so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been told that God has a wonderful plan for your life? I have. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And it's true, kind of. Uh, God does have a plan for your life, and it is good, really good. Just get concerned if that's all you get told. Like if the, the full extent of it is God has a wonderful plan for your life, but you're not given any detail about that plan. Because if we look into the Bible, which is where God outlines the plan, we'll find that Whilst it is a wonderful plan and ultimately the results of the plan are wonderful and really good for us, there's a bunch of challenge along the way. When it comes to following Jesus, there's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some challenge. There's probably going to be some persecution for following Jesus. And so when we sign up to being a Christian and following Jesus, we need to expect that. We need to expect that as well as some really great blessing from God and some ultimately wonderful eternal results, there's going to be some challenges along the way. Now, here's the problem. If you only get told that God has a wonderful plan for your life and you don't get the full picture and warned about some of those challenges, then you're going to be in for a bit of a shock. And unfortunately, I've met a number of people uh, throughout my time as being a member of the church who didn't get the full picture, who got told the true 
the part of the truth that God has a wonderful plan for your life, but didn't get given all the extra detail. And so they ran into some problems. Disappointment when things didn't go their way. Confusion when people didn't seem to be giving them what they needed or what they wanted. <laughs> uh, bitterness when life didn't seem to be quite working out the way they expected. When their life didn't seem to be a spectacular success in every area, confusion as to what God was doing. It also can lead us down the path of selfishness where we think that God must be arranging circumstances so that our life is wonderful and we don't think that maybe it's up to us to maybe serve other people or make sacrifices on behalf of others. It's an example of false teaching really when we present people with part of the truth or a twisted version of the truth, something that's you know, looks like the truth, but isn't really the full picture. And false teaching nearly always leads to problems. And it so often damages relationships. Now, the series we're looking at at the moment is based on the book of Galatians. This is a letter that was written about 2,000 years ago by one of the most influential early church leaders, Paul to the Christians in the region of Gal that was known then as Galatia. And he was particularly focused on some false teaching that was doing a lot of damage in that particular Christian community. And in particular, it was damaging his relationship with the Galatians who he'd had a really great friendship with uh, you know, in years past. Now, the false teaching was particularly damaging because it was hitting right at the heart of what Christians believe. Christians believe that we have access to a loving relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. We believe that Jesus' life, death and resurrection and his sending of the Holy Spirit is enough. Jesus is enough. And we don't need to do anything more than put our trust in Jesus in order to receive the love and the acceptance of God. That's it. Put our trust in Jesus and we can enter that loving relationship with God. Don't need to do more stuff than that. That's it. Jesus is enough. That's a core Christian belief. There was some false teaching, though, that was going around that Christian community in Galatia that was saying, Jesus is not enough. You need to do more. Yep, Jesus is good. What he's done is good. But you need to do these extra religious traditions, customs, activities, and then God will accept you. You have to do this stuff on top of what Jesus has done. And so we've gone into that in a fair bit of detail because we've been looking at these previous chapters, chapters one through th three of Galatians. And Paul's continuing to talk about the false teaching in chapter four. Here he starts to get really personal and connect in with this close personal friendship that he has with a lot of the Galatian Christians going back many years, because he was one of the people who actually helped start the, the church in Galatia. He was one of the people who brought the, the good news about Jesus, the gospel, as we know it, gospel meaning good news about Jesus. He brought the gospel to that part of the world for the first time. And so you might have got a sense of that as we heard the Bible read, that it was quite personal. Uh, yeah, it's a vibe of, of that uh, as, 
as we hear it, but also the language starts to get more personal than it has been in the letter so far. For example, so far he's addressed the readers as brothers and sisters, which in those times is a more formal way of addressing a reader. Here he addresses the readers in verse 19 as my dear children. And this is a much more personal way of addressing readers at the time. So the language itself is becoming more personal. And he's addressing the fact that he feels like the, the relationship here is damaged. So he's not just concerned that the, they're getting their teaching wrong, which is bad enough. You know, personally, I like to believe things that are true, not things that are untrue. Hopefully that's the case for you. That would seem logical. So he's not just concerned about getting the, the knowledge right or the teaching right. He's also concerned that the false teaching that's circulating in this Christian community is damaging relationships. And in particular, it's damaging his relationship with those Galatian Christians, or at least a large amount of them. Probably not all of them, but certainly a, a large amount of them. So in verse 16, he says, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? You know, it's getting serious, right? It's to the point where, man, this difference in what we believe about Jesus seems to be to the point where some of you think I'm, I'm, the, ba I'm the bad guy <laughs> for telling you that Jesus is enough. So it's getting pretty intense here. And so what he does is he starts to reminisce about the good times that they had when he was with them. He's, he's in a different part of the world now and doesn't have the modern ability to call up or quickly visit with a plane flight, this sort of thing. So um, not easy to stay in touch. He's remembering the times that he was with the Galatians and he was quite sick with them uh, when he was with them and they really cared for him really well and he remembers just how loving and caring they were when he was crook. And he says in verse 15, uh, quite graphically, I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. It's quite a gory way of describing someone's friendship and commitment to someone else. It's like, I was sick and you would have ripped out a part of your own body and given it to me if that would have made me get better. But, you know, it's going to the lens of just how, how deep their friendship was and how committed they were to each other. So clearly, Paul was saying, man, we were, we were getting along really well, but something's changed. And there's now a distance between us. As I was reading this and thinking about it, preparing for this talk, I was reminded of a friend, a friend of mine. We used to catch up pretty regularly in the school holidays and always looked forward to it because he was a really raw, you know, warm, enthusiastic kind of guy. Um, and yes, a great fun guy to catch up with uh, and always look forward to it. And then uh, for, for some reason, there was a period where we couldn't catch up for qu quite a long time, but then we got to catch up again. So really looking forward to that. But it didn't go very well. Uh, it seemed he'd changed. And no longer was he that warm, enthusiastic, fun guy to hang out with. He seemed to me to be kind of bitter and harsh. Something was different about him. And he spoke very uh, coldly about people. He had a lot of blame to give to certain groups of people. And I left our catch-up feeling very down and thinking, what happened? What happened between our last catch-up and now to change him so much? Gee, yeah, yeah, I was confused 
as to what had happened to my friend in that time. And I do get the sense that Paul is a bit confused as to how this could have happened. Knowing the Galatians so well uh, when he'd first met them, and then knowing what's happened since then and you know, the embracing of this false teaching, he, he is a bit confused uh, as to why this is happening. You get this sense of this, that from the language that he's using. For example, in verse 9, he says, But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You know, I was with you when you heard the good news of Jesus. You were set free. I was there when we brought you the good news. You embraced it. Why are you going back into these old ways that are restricting your freedom? So there's this sense of it. And then in verse 20, he uses the word perplexed, which means very confused. We do have this sense of Paul's going, ah, guys, why? This is not good for you. I don't, you know, clearly, don't you see it? I see it. But he does give us some insight and he's wanting to, the Galatians to understand why he thinks this is probably happening. And that comes in verse 17. Let's have a look at that. Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. Now, when he talks about those people, he's talking about the circumcision group. This is the group that's bringing the false teaching. They're saying Jesus is not enough. You need to do these extra things in order for God to love and accept you. So um, being zealous means that you're really passionate. You know, like you're fired up, like someone is zealous, like, yeah, come on, I'm, I'm, I really, really am very, very passionate about this particular issue. Now, there's no problem with being zealous about something good. So, uh, for example, if you're zealous about overcoming poverty, I would say that is really good. There are children dying of starvation in the world right now. If you're zealous about stopping that from happening, good on you. That is a wonderful thing to be passionate about. If, on the other hand, you are at an under-10s football game and you're really zealous about the referee getting the calls correct 100% of the time, and you're a parent or one of the kids playing, and you're really zealous about that, I don't think you're directing your passion in the correct area. I think you need to calm that down. Take it down from 11 to a one. The passion does not need to be high in that context, okay? So directing your, your zealousness in a, in a good direction is really, really important. So Paul's not against being zealous, but he's saying it's gotta be directed in the right way. And this group that's bringing the false teaching, they're getting it wrong. And then he goes on in verse 17, he says, what they want is to alienate you from us, us being the group who's bringing the true gospel, saying that Jesus is enough, so that you may have zeal for them. So what does this group want? What do, them, what do they want the Galatians to be zealous about? Do they want them to be zealous about Jesus? No. Do they want them to be zealous about the true gospel? No. What do they want them to be zealous about? Them. They want them to be passionate about the people who are bringing the false teaching. Paul's take on this group is not that they really care about this teaching that they're bringing. It's actually that they really care about the power 
and the influence that they're getting from bringing the false teaching. Okay? If, think about it this way. If these guys really believed that you had to do these extra religious activities in order for God to truly love and accept you, I guess we could kind of respect that. We could go, well, guys, you're getting it wrong. It's, you're, you're incorrect, but we can respect that you actually, you know, you're sticking to what you believe is true. You know. But Paul's take on it is that's not the case. Paul's take on it is that these guys don't deeply believe that that's true. Paul's take on it is that they're trying to get some power in this situation. That perhaps because you know this is a this is a Jewish group, and previously uh, it used to be a, an, ex, an exclusively Jewish religion. If you wanted to join God's people, you had to become Jewish. And now Jesus has thrown the gates open and said, "No, you don't need to do that. Actually, uh, it's much more accessible. You don't have to follow the Jewish customs. You don't have to be Jewish." And so the the Jewish people have kind of lost their their power and influence to a certain extent. And so this is probably an attempt to get some of that back and to have a bit more power and influence like they used to have. And that's really what it's about, and it's not really about pursuing what's true and what's good. And it's damaging the relationships in the Christian community. It's driving a wedge between people, and it's pulling people away from the truth about Jesus. Here's the thing. The true gospel, the one that Jesus brought into the world, that says every single person has access to to a loving relationship with God through Jesus. No one is excluded from that. Every single person has access to a loving relationship with God. No exceptions. Not one exception. Okay? Now, people might self-exclude. They might say, I don't want to follow Jesus. Or, sounds good, but I don't believe at this point. And that's okay, because everyone needs to make their own choice. But they're not told by Christians that you're not allowed you know, like they're welcome to change their mind and come back, you know, but at least that relationship is available to every single person under the true gospel, okay? The false gospel, though, does exclude people. It gives people an opportunity to exclude other people and say, actually, no, you're not, uh, you're not allowed to have a relationship with God because you haven't done these things, you're out, I'm in. <laughs> you haven't done the right things, well, I have. <laughs> that group of people are out, this group of people are in. That's what a false gospel allows people to do. Now, back, back then in this Galatian situation, it was, a Jewish, it was Jewish customs that were being added to the gospel to make it false. But let me tell you, this is not a Jewish problem exclusively. In the 2,000 years since then, us flawed, imperfect human beings have found many other ways to add things to the gospel to exclude other people. All sorts of different things that have mucked things up. 
So let's not, if it feels like we're being harsh on the Jews in this series, it's purely because this is the example that we had at the time, but many other people, every other people group throughout history have found ways to muck this up in different ways, to add things to the gospel in unhelpful ways. And so here's what happens though. Unfortunately, us human beings, and this is not just in the church situation, this is just generally, when we have an opportunity to exclude other people, Here's what often happens, and this is a real problem with us humans, is we will often take that opportunity to push ourselves up and others down. We'll exclude other people in a way that elevates us. So I'll exclude someone else in a way that means I'll get more power, I'll get more wealth, or I'll get more popularity. And this happens right from the lowest levels through to the, to the most powerful level. So, you know, a grade two in the playground tells a lie about someone else at school in the hopes that they'll get into the popular group. Now, it means that, that kid that they're lying about will be excluded from their friendship circle and, you know, sort of be, become a lonely kid because, you know, people were going to believe a lie about them. But the kid is telling the lies, hoping that they're going to get elevated into a higher social situation. So that happens, you know, at schools every day around the world. And then you take that to the highest, you know, decision makers at political and big corporate levels, and people lie and they twist the truth uh, to get more power and more influence, you know, in those most high power positions. And then everywhere in between. This is what we do as humans. When we have an opportunity to exclude people, we do that to push ourselves up and other people lose at the same time. And it happens in Christian communities. That's what was happening in the Galatian community. The true gospel that Jesus brought, when we embrace that, that does not happen. The true gospel does not allow that sort of thing to happen. And that's why it's so good that when we come to the end of this section um, today, of our Bible reading today, that Paul demonstrates that he's pursuing the true gospel in his relationship with the, with the Galatians. Verse 19, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, I haven't given birth to a child, but I'm told very reliably that it's extremely painful. And uh, one of the most painful things that you could ever go through. And so Paul's using this illustration to go, the pain that he feels relationally, that there's this, there's this damage, that there's this distance between him and the Galatians, it's, it's deeply painful for him. He, he, he hates it that there's been so much damage done to this relationship. And he wants it to change. And so he says in verse 20, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone. I wish things could be different. I wish we could be reconciled. I wish things could be healed up because I am perplexed about you. I just wish this situation could be different. I just don't understand how we could get here, but I want it to be better. He is pursuing reconciliation. He's not trying to push things away. He's not trying to make the distance between these two groups bigger. He's not coming in to punish them and going, you guys have done the wrong thing. You've stuffed up. You believe in the wrong teaching. You've got a completely wrong gospel. I'm going to come in and just clean house. 
It's not his attitude. He wants reconciliation. He's pursuing the way of Jesus. He's pursuing the true gospel. He's pursuing the way of grace, which is love even when people have done the wrong thing. The Galatian community have stuffed up here. They're believing a really wrong teaching about a core fundamental truth of the Christian faith. And what's Paul doing? He's pursuing reconciliation. He's pursuing mended relationships. You see, false gospels drive us apart and the true gospel will bring us together and drive us towards reconciliation. If you're already a follower of Jesus, there's a challenge for us when we think about the idea of Jesus being enough because it is really good news, right? There is a temptation, I think, as we go through this series to dilute the challenge of this. We've got to remember that faith in Jesus is a commitment to the way of Jesus. Okay, so it's not just going, oh yeah, Jesus is enough, cool, I'll just say I believe in Jesus and then I can just kind of forget about it and carry on. This is a full life commitment to following Jesus and it's a full commitment to living out the true gospel. And that is a big challenge that we really need to commit our entire lives to and ask God for help with every day. It's a big challenge. And the reason we need to commit to living it out each day is not just that, it's not because we need to earn God's love. We know that we're loved no matter what and how, how good we are at living it out or not. That's, we're not trying to earn God's love. We already have that. But we want to experience the benefits of it each day, both as individuals and as a community. But also we want to make sure that we're living it out in a way that's going to present the true gospel to others. If we don't, then we risk doing what's happening in the Galatian community where we're kind of presenting a false gospel to other people who are going to look at the way the community is living and going, hang on, what kind of a gospel is that? It seems like a load of rubbish. It doesn't seem like good news. So it's important that we embrace this in our whole lives, embrace the true gospel in the way we live, both as individuals and as the church. So if you're watching and you're not yet a Christian, I wouldn't blame you for perhaps expecting that Christians would exclude you. Uh, partly this is because that seems to be the way Christians are depicted in movies and in TV shows and in the news. Um, certainly when I watch things, it seems like Christians in some shows are just like super ready to exclude people at the drop of a hat. Um, and honestly, like we need to own that a bit, you know, because sometimes that's been the way Christians have behaved. Um, we have sometimes presented a false gospel to the world, uh, sometimes accidentally, but sometimes also deliberately. We've actually deliberately presented false teaching in the way we've spoken or in the way we've acted. So it's somewhat our own fault. Um, and so I just want to apologise for that and uh, say it's not the way that it's meant to be. And I guess... If you're watching this, I assume you're somewhat interested in following Jesus. 
uh, certainly a possibility for you. What I would say is I always want to point you to Jesus. So ultimately, so if you look at my life, hopefully you will sometimes see the true gospel uh, presented pretty well, but you're not going to see it presented perfectly. Any follower of Jesus that you look at, hopefully you will see the true gospel represented, yeah, most of the time, but we're never going to get it right. The best person to look at is Jesus because he is the one who brings us the true gospel 100% of the time. So he's the one (laughs) that we ultimately follow and he is the one who ultimately gives us access to that loving relationship with God. So I'd just like to say a prayer for us now uh, to finish. Uh, We have good news um, and we have that opportunity to put our faith in Jesus who is enough. Let's pray. Father God, we're sorry for the times where we do get the gospel wrong. Uh, maybe it just accidentally happens. I know I've just, I'm looking back on my life and sometimes, yeah, I look back and I go, oh, I think I was actually um, presenting the gospel in, a, in an unhelpful way at times in the past. And I just want to say sorry for that. And turn to you again, Jesus, and thank you for being so good and so loving and so forgiving. Thank you for what you did through your life and your death and your resurrection. Thank you for sending us your spirit to remind you, to remind us of your love. Remind us of your grace. Please fill each of us now, everyone watching, with your spirit. Give us a sense of your loving presence right now, we pray. And for anyone who feels that they, for whatever reason, are not welcome in your family, I pray that you would smash that lie, break through that barrier, And show them the true good news that you bring into the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.